Hello, I'm Liz Jones. If you read my diary in the Mail on Sunday's You magazine, then you'll know me and my life pretty well. But if you've always wanted to know more, this is the place for you. Welcome to Liz Jones's Diary, the podcast. I'll be taking you behind the scenes of this week's column before digging back into the archives to find some of the most shocking and hilarious stories from the last 20 years. I'll be doing all this with the help of my assistant, friend and confidant, Nick. Hello. Hello everyone, it's Nick and Liz again. Hello. I'm Liz. Liz. I'm I'm Liz. I'm Liz. We're starting with a regular reader called Ian who sent me a message... Oh, Liz, I put on the podcast last week coming away from my work at Edinburgh Royal. I'm imagining him like George Clooney in Scrubs. Well, that'd be nice, wouldn't it? I have it up high as I'm in the car. Well, your version of January by Pilot... Big mistake. Turn it's it going to be the Christmas number one, isn't oh, it? Oh, God, no. ...was no. broadcast all across the car park. I have folk waiting for their tickets turn and look at me and I was mouthing, it isn't me singing, but to no avail. More desperately than that, I imagine. It's not so me! For Ian... No. I'm like Dave Lee Travis, aren't I? No. No. This, this one's for you. Love to be here. Here, making each day of the year. God, this is depressing. Changing my life with the wave of her hand. Nobody can deny that they're so. (laughs) Oh my God. There. Can I just say that everyone listening. Can fast forward you. I can't. I have to suffer. That isn't allowed. That's like torture. The same as you're not allowed to watch and just like that without having watched every single episode of Sex and the City. You're not allowed to listen to the podcast without listening to me singing. Literally, it is torture. But you know why I was singing that? It's because I've been watching on the Disney Channel 321, which is Paul McCartney speaking about how he composed songs and where they came from and he dreamt yesterday and he said about here there and everywhere which i've just sung which is a christmas number one sung is a very loose word he said that's a very pretty song although you know i'm bigging myself up a bit too much he's allowed to big big himself up a bit too much it's deep i cannot tell you how in love I am with Paul McCartney. But you ran away when he tried to talk to you. Yeah, but I, because I couldn't meet him, because I probably haven't been what extreme waxed. Well, he was only going to say hello. He weren't going to rip your knickers off. And how lucky am I to have lived at the same time as Paul McCartney? In, so somewhere in the world, he's breathing air, and I'm breathing air, and we're living in the same planet. I think I prefer Maria Lanza. <laughs> or Neil Diamond or... and the reason I was singing that song wasn't just for Ian it was like because you know I blocked my ex I'm still blaming Ian I'm still blaming him you know I blocked my ex you so did blocking block your ex. he's blocked was the word of the week last week no that was about two weeks ago well 
sometimes the thing about being in a relationship is that you see something and you want to share it with them. You say you want to, so I've been wanting to message to say I've blocked him, but I want to tell you something. Watch 3T1 on Disney and watch Paul McCartney talking about how he composed that song, which I've just sung beautifully. But you blocked him because you were annoyed with him. Why but who else am I going to share these discoveries with? Well, you share awful things with me. Yeah, but you don't awful like the things. Beatles. No, I don't. And, and actually, you murdering them isn't helping with that. How could you not? I mean, this is just art. No. And, you know, he's a working-class Liverpudlian. He created this art and... I'm just so in love with Paul McCartney and I know as a child when I was five I had a picture of him in my wardrobe and he was surrounded by daisies and I'm still in love with him now. Art, no, art is subjective. Several years later. No, it's subjective. People think Picasso's art and I'm sure there's a very arty way of looking at it. I just look at it as ugly images. But having watched, this, nasty. Having watched this series and listened to this series on Disney about Paul McCartney I wanted to share it with someone and I, it really reminds me of when I interviewed Tracy Emin and this was before she got ill and I went to her house and I went to her studio in East London and she was so sorted to, she was so sorted compared to me and she was like I'm already making plans for when I die and as a sole trader I can do this and I've already made plans what to do with my estate and what to do with my money and everything but then she said to me, she could afford to do anything. She could afford to do anything, go anywhere. She had a beautiful house. And she said, well, Liz, I could go on holiday to the Grand Canyon tomorrow. Nothing, yeah. You know, she got the money. But I want someone to turn to and say, isn't the Grand Canyon yeah, amazing? Course. You want to share yeah, it with someone. Yeah. So I wanted to share Paul talking about how he composed here, there and everywhere. But the thing is, is do you want to share Because there's no one it? in my life for me to share with this. You're a fetus. I'm a fetus. There isn't, my friend Isabel doesn't like the Beatles. Who am I going to share this with? But the thing is, is you can't just want to share with someone that's blocked because they're convenient. Do you know what I mean? It's not because that they, convenient. Well, no, 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 but because they sort of fit the bill that no, you No, but I know he'd appreciate them. that series but because then it's annoy so interesting. You, and then you'd want to block him again. So just cut out the middle bit and I don't understand. But when you block someone as an IT expert, Nicola, yes. can you send the messages and they get them, you just don't get the replies? Is no. it like sending out a pigeon? No, if you're blocked, you're blocked both ways. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, you can't, like, send messages. You can block someone, then you're going to, like, abuse them and they get the messages and they can't, haven't got the right to reply. I'm you can't do that. not abusing them. I'm just saying listen to here, there and everywhere. No, 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 you can't. No, 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 it doesn't work like that. No. If you're blocked, you're blocked also. Everyone's blocked. Don't do it, Jones. Don't do it. You'll regret it. So do we want to talk about the piece in the Daily Mail on Wednesday? Let's talk orgasms. So I was asked to write a piece because a new survey came out saying that if you earn more than a man, you're more likely to fake it in the bedroom. So I wrote a piece explaining why this is more likely. It's because they Indeed. feel chippy. They, <laughs> they Podcast feel 104 word of the week. <laughs> they feel emasculated. They resent you. They secretly hate you. So I wrote a piece 
very big piece, 1,500 words about why I faked orgasms all through my marriage, apart from once when we went to New York and he managed to produce a tingle and I thought, well, I've not fallen in any nettles. What's going on? As he Googled, <laughs> as he Googled it, how to do it. And it turned out his American mistress had taught him how to do something. So he actually managed it once. Well, at least he was able to follow instruction. And the last paragraph from my piece, in case you haven't read it, but we're going to send you the link. Faking it, and there's a very nice picture of me in a rented Hervé Leger bandage dress. Very nice picture. Which I thought was very nice, but I got quite a lot of abuse online, didn't I, about that? I think that. that's probably jealousy, that people wouldn't look so nice in the, in the dress. Like me, I wouldn't look nice in that dress. But why were they so horrid about me in that dress? I don't know. I just I don't know why anybody is mean about somebody else's appearance. Uh, when you, you could talk about the article, talk about what you've said, talk about the points you've made. You don't have to talk about the picture and the dress. It's mean. But I actually think I was quite. I look quite nice. And I was airbrushed. Nice. I was airbrushed. Yeah, you did look nice. It's just mean. It's just spiteful and mean. I don't like it. Anyway, the end of the piece says, faking it, I admit, is shameful. It helps no one. It's dishonest, a sham. All the acting, and I don't even have a golden globe to show for it. Sex should bring you closer as a couple. It should not be a duplicitous act. But I did it because to shatter a man's illusions that he can satisfy you is literally a kick below the belt. I should mention, too, in the spirit of full disclosure, that my husband often didn't achieve sexual pleasure with me in bed. Too many affairs, too many financial insecurities, too many expensive ready meals bought by me, which meant he was too full. Who knows? But he never, ever once tried to make me feel better by pretending he had. No. And then the mail got my husband to write a tiny sidebar alongside me in the Hervé bandage dress. But because I didn't want to be upset and have my day spot because I'm practising self-care, I didn't read it. So all day yesterday, I kept saying to Nick, what did he say? What did he say? Was it better than mine? What did he say? Like, Just read it. Just what read it. What did he say? What did he say? So you're like my prism, aren't you? I, I see things reflected through. I am. So what did he say? Well, what was his defence? Well, it pretty much said what he said in the bridge version of what he said in the previous article we've talked about on here about how he was your little token younger man and blah 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 to be honest with you it was a little bit dare i say boring and it was not mutual you know he, he, he didn't enjoy it either but he felt he had to do it you know but as we got we got comments on your on your article and, and and as Hartsfield said, if that's how he felt, he should have left sooner. Yeah, you know, if 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 he felt it was a chore and he felt that he sh you know he was just playing his part to get the nice. But it wasn't though because you know we went nine months without having sex, which yeah. is you know twenty five percent of the marriage. Yeah, I just I, I think I think Hartsfield summed it up really well though. If you're not happy with the situation. Bye. Well, speak up. S say something. There was another something. really, 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 really good comment from somebody in Salford who said, a lot of women find it difficult to talk about sex to men. Yeah, because we don't want to upset them. But this person in Salford said, but most men find it difficult to talk to women about any 
anything. Which is very which true. Which is true. Very true. I mean, and, we, and we've got, uh, we, we did, had quite a few male people say, and they seem to have a sort of, the opinion that basically some bloke, Will's 58, says some blokes aren't bothered if it's faked or not. Doesn't matter one way or other. At the end of the day, it makes no difference. I mean, charming. <laughs> and another one said, sometimes what women want is a chore. Things like massages that take half an hour, a massive turn-offs and require too much effort. It's not fun labouring to get your end away. I mean, if you want to get your end away, go, do you know what I mean? Like, sort yourself out. That's not really the, it's not really the attitude, is it? I want to get my end away. No, and my husband never made any attempt to make himself more attractive. And... He used to say to me that having sex was like going to the toilet or eating. It was just a, it was just a basic function. So that's not really going to put you in the mood, is that's it? That's not going to put you in the mood. And 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 to be fair, Trey. But also, he never made me laugh in bed, or we never had fun, or there was never any sort of intimacy. But intimacy starts before you get in bed, isn't it? It's laughing at a film. It's having fun over dinner. It's going for a walk and doing something together. It's, it doesn't just start in bed. If but I think another reason I had to fake it wasn't, wasn't just because I had to be at the offices at the evening standard at five in the morning. Um, I wanted to get it over with and I didn't want to get cystitis and I didn't want to be sore. Just get it over with so you're just going to pretend. You know, you want to be, be sort of encouraging, really, don't you? You don't want them to feel they're completely useless. And I think I said on the Andrew Pierce show yesterday, women should speak up because all you're going to do is pass a dud along to me mm. with all his girlfriends. Why did none of them say, I'm sorry, you need to do this, this and this? You know, and it took Daphne in America to tend to do something and then that worked. So, you know, it takes a New York woman, you know, they're very outspoken, they yeah, want yeah. what they want, yeah. they do Pilates, you know, they drink juices... They tell men what they want in bed. And I think we're just too shy about saying it. And men are very precious, aren't they? You know, about being criticised in bed. They're sort of... They all think they're... Well, most of them think they're studs. They think, you know, that... I, don't, I think because it's so easy for men. Let's face it, men don't really need a lot. You know, they can get their end away. They can, they can get to the end of the journey very easily no, without actually, much encouragement. I don't think I need a lot. And I did make suggestions of what he could do. And I said, why don't you talk dirty to me? And he said, well, you're so deaf, you cloth ear bin, you won't hear me. So I did make suggestions, but they don't even listen to suggestions. But I think, I think it's coming back to what these guys are saying. It's too much effort. What they really want to do is get the job done roll over and watch YouTube or go for a fag or go to sleep. I don't actually think men want to put that much effort into it. Not really. I don't, unless, unless you're someone that's really into like tantric or something, I, or, or they're really trying to please you for some reason. It's just not on their agenda. I just don't believe it is. I had much better sex with my last boyfriend than I did with my husband because he was nearer in age and he also liked the Beatles. And he'd had a quite a high-flying job until he became retired. But once he retired and started to sleep all day, you lose respect for someone, so therefore it isn't exciting in the bedroom, you know. Yeah. You need to have a certain mutual respect. Yeah. And, and I think if there's a financial disparity, 
with a woman earning more than the man, it just doesn't work. I mean, I remember saying to my husband, because he kept opening the drawer and leaning on of the fridge and leaning on it and looking inside, I'm like, you're hemorrhaging my salary. Why do you keep opening the fridge? It makes you quite petty. And I remember going on a romantic mini-break with a boyfriend and I was paying and they open the minibar and start making gin and tonics and you're suddenly thinking, why are you opening the minibar? Why did you not bring a bottle of gin with you? Why are you spending my money? So it doesn't mm. make you want to do gymnastics in bed if but they're wouldn't it be raiding the minibar. But wouldn't it be different, though, if, yeah, all right, that you're paying, they're raiding the minibar. So, but if they were funny, entertaining, great company, great at flirting, made you feel really good... You wouldn't care if he was raiding the mini bar. You wouldn't yeah. care that you weren't money. So really, is it about the financial side of things? Or is it because they're not entertaining, they're not funny, they're not trying? No, not having, having had lots of low-earning lumps in my life, the money is important mm. because you know how hard it has been to earn it. And we're going to talk about this in a minute when we've got my book of the week, what I'm going to talk about getting up and working at the evening standard at five in the morning and I the only thing that would get me out of bed was thinking of the canteen porridge that I could go and have yeah. knowing I wouldn't leave the office till half eight that night after the editor had been to dinner and they would phone me after they'd been out to dinner well what are we going with on the cover tomorrow Liz I don't know I've been here 14 hours I've lost my mind I know how much it took me to earn that money yeah, yeah. I know how careful I am I mean, because I've been looking after Nick's horses because she's been really, really ill, she went and got me a sort of a cupboard basic shop today as a thank you. So she got me <laughs> things like tins of things and things to put... And she knows I have nothing in my fridge. I have nothing in my cupboards. I never buy any food because I'm too frightened to buy food because I think I'm going to run out of money. So for a man not to be mindful of how hard you've worked to earn that money and just to spend it and keep opening the fridge and keep staring in it and keep going to the minibar. It's food, actually. No, I mean, I certainly wouldn't do it. I remember when you very kindly sent me and Kevin away for a weekend, and if it was for my birthday or something, at Babington House, you know, I had something at the minibar and I went down and said, right, can you charge me separately for this? And they wouldn't because you'd already warned them not to. But I tried to pay for no, it. No, but I knew you were going to do that, so I warned the, the yeah, receptionist. But I wouldn't have dreamt of got of, of adding to your bill. I, you know, I already felt terrible that you were paying but for it. But it's just, away. I don't know why have this, people have this attitude towards me. And I think people do resent women with money and women who are high profile. And I remember at my wedding, everyone stayed at Babington House for nothing. I said, no wedding presents. I paid for the free bar paid for all the champagne at dinner, paid for everything, paid for breakfast the next day, which actually I hadn't factored in. I thought, oh, God, everyone's having breakfast. I hadn't budgeted for that. And no one even budged over to make room for me when I went downstairs. They all just ignored me. So mean. But I remember my brother, my dear departed brother, and I got the bill when I was on honeymoon in Seville, wondering if the cheque to Babington House was going to bounce. And I got a bill and my brother had opened a £52 bottle of champagne in his room on the minibar. Oh, my God. See, I'd never do Why that. Why do that? Why it, do that? I would never do that. Even if I was... There was alcohol on tap. Why would you open a £52 bottle of no, champagne in the minibar? No, and I just think that's complete thoughtlessness. I really do. I think that's awful. 
I don't want to say to that, really. So the reason I put, wrote this piece in the mail on Wednesday, and we'll give you the link if you haven't seen it, is that I'm really, really angry that someone would come into my life and I was so encouraging to them and got them an agent and, and got them publicity and wrote jokes in their lame columns and got them a technical technology column in the Evening Standard, even though they couldn't change a plug. And he couldn't even be bothered to kiss my neck. Well, yeah. and I, think I am so angry, I can't... I want to go and throttle him. But even with his response saying that he felt that he had to, you know, he was living in your lovely house and blah, 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 so he felt that he had to perform. Well, he if didn't you perform. Feel, he didn't perform. So if you feel that you're paying back for the lifestyle that you're being given, at least give back some bloody quality. Yeah. You know, give you attention. Give Talk you, to me. Talk to you. Be, a, be, be good company. Go and do a Sainsbury's shop. Yeah, exactly. Actually, rather than having sex with me, I'd rather he'd got some shopping in and squeak his special biscuits. Yeah, yeah. No, I, th I, I just think people lack thought. You know, to do something that's me. Like I would have, I, w I was going to get you lovely, some lovely flowers to say thank you, or you know, one of your favourite candles. And Not thought, spiky flowers. No, I'm trained. I'm trained. I don't no like foliage. spiky flowers. I don't like foliage. No foliage. But you know, I, I, I thought, what actually is the most useful? I thought, well, you're really busy at the minute. You've never got anything in your cupboards. You've got no biscuits. You've got no crisps. You've got no nuts. You've got no lentils. No chickpeas. I'll do that so that when you haven't had time to go shopping, you can have dinner. So it's not very exciting. But Nick arrived with it today and she put it in my cupboards and she left. And I actually cried. Oh. Because that is what girlfriends do. They're there for you, aren't they? Like when I was made bankrupt, yeah. my friend Dawn sent me charity shop finds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. what friends yeah, do. Like time ill, but men don't do it. No. Men don't do it. This week's column is about me going on a date. So we've got lots of groaning going on Oops. now. Oh, dear. <laughs> and so I start this column by saying I'm about to be the most unfiltered I've ever been in this column. And I often send texts to myself. So I do. I send shopping lists, ideas. Oh, to me. You send quite a lot to me. Yeah. <laughs> I get these random texts and I have no idea what she's talking about and I realise it's note to self. So in advance of the gallery and lunch date with the photographer, whom I've never met, bear in mind I've never met him, I sent myself this. I'm ashamed. I'm deeply ashamed. So my text is as follows. Start M2 eyelash serum when arrives. Visit Anna, the Queen of Youth for Botox, have an eyebrow plant transplant, book treatments, extreme bikini wax, facial threading, nostril waxing, deluxe pedicure, hair tint, urban retreat two days before. Bloody hell. I'm tired already. I was planning to ask my colourist, do you think I'm going bald? I keep studying my scalp in the mirror and a couple of months after my hair fell out in hanks, I now have baby fluff growing in its place. The weird thing is, this new hair is jet black. A medical miracle just in time for Valentine's Day. See, it's sorting out the positive. But I never learn, do I? I'm no. planning a tranche of expensive procedures, which will involve not just injectables and bruising, but being asked very personal questions covering your mum's ears. 
Mum, mum, back away, back away. Mum, go and make some tea. So I'm asked very personal questions by my therapist, barely out of their teens, such as, do you want the lips waxed? <laughs> <God>. <laughs> I'm backing away as well. All for a man I've never met who will probably just iron a T-shirt. Can I just ask? And hopefully brush all his teeth. Can you not just, like, have a shower, put a bit of makeup no. on and brush no. your hair? No, it's not me. That, but, no. But no. you feel so liberated. No. Oh, God. I feel stupid, frankly. I've just opened the February issue of Vogue, wondering if I can afford to buy anything new to wear for this date with a man I've never met. And there, on page 110, is a model with a full Maria Schneider bush. I can't be fussier than a Vogue model, surely? No, you can. You can. And such is the influence of Vogue over my psyche, I once saw a photograph of supermodel Janice Dickinson's sister photographed eating a watermelon and I spent the next decade peeling difficult fruit. So I cancelled the Queen of Youth. Being perfect and having nice things just makes men resent you. They become chippy. We're not having chippy as word of the week. I remember when I had my mini mansion, lawn sloping to the river, a staff cottage. Staff. Staff, I'm staff. Staff. A Land Rover Defender and a new Mercedes convertible. My then boyfriend came for a mini break. This must cost a fortune, was all he said. He never once remarked on the beauty of my home, the wildlife, the herons, the views. All he said of the triple aspect drawing room with two marble fireplaces was, what is it with women and floorboards? Block him. Block him. Block him. Chippy. Block him. Just block him. When he cracked a rib. (laughs) Falling down my stone staircase, he moaned, why haven't you got fitted carpets? But he did know how to fall because of his SAS training. He could have been... Every man I've ever met could have been a professional footballer and yeah. could have been in the SAS. Of course, but he knew how to fall. It could have been much worse. But you know what, no, what, Nick? I should know better. I've been around magazines long enough to know that models aren't perfect, that no one is. I did a cover shoot once with the Brazilian supermodel Fernanda Tavares. She was my favourite model, really. Was she? Her roots are growing out, and she had a very dirty hairbrush. Well, it makes, <laughs> makes all the perspective, then. The old me never felt good enough. Before one man came for dinner, Osama bin Laden, oh, God, he was handsome, <laughs> I bought wheelie bin liners and had my lawn retuffed. Yeah, and let's not forget you hoovering the patio for someone as well. He never went outside and looked at my lawn and he refused to take out any rubbish. I kept saying, do you want to put something in the wheelie bin? He was like, no. So my lawn, for want of a better word, isn't going to be mown. I'm rewilding it. Monty John will be thrilled. Did Linda McCartney, you see? We're coming back to Paul. Ever use eyelash serum that cost £85? No. No, she did not. So next time, it's a shower, a swisher lipstick and a brush through your ear. I, want, I had a dream the other night that I was going to have sex with Nigel and I hadn't waxed and I backed away. 
Did it terrify you? Was it like a nightmare? I backed away. You you woke up screaming. <laughs> to be fair, if you were in a dream having sex with Nigel, just go for it. Just go for it so you know what it's like. I dreamt he came to London. Might be like a, you know, premonition. Yeah. <gasps> That'd be good, wouldn't it? I do want you and I. It's sort of like my happy place. I want you to end up together and all yeah, happy. Yeah, because we're just two Fleet Street news hounds. I just feel that music should start playing now. And, you know, <laughs> we should just get some happy music. And, and and he just looks like Liam Neeson. He does look like Liam Neeson. Except he wears a neckerchief. I don't mind that. Do you not mind that? No. Bless him. It's his little quirk, isn't it? Do you want to hear what the archive can I just, is? Can I just tell everyone here, she's got a little bit pink and she's very, very smiley. I'm fiddling with my hair. Yeah. It's wasted on me, love. <laughs> you can read this week's diary in full in Man on Sunday's You magazine. Come on. What have you been up to for the archive? Are we moving away well, from orgasms? Well, this, this is indicative. It, no, it's linked to the orgasm, actually, because in October 2008, I was sent to Los Angeles and I stayed in the Standard Hotel and to quote Helen Fielding, when they saw me coming, they should have renamed it the Substandard. So I stayed in the oh. Standard Hotel, which is full of beautiful people, to interview Helen Mirren. Very beautiful. And this is how supportive my husband was of my work. So I'm sitting in my room at the Substandard Hotel in Los Angeles, about to go and meet Helen Mirren, and there's an earthquake. And my chair moved across the room, and I'm still typing my column. So I phoned my husband, who was finding himself in another woman's vagina in India, and I said... I'm in the middle of an earthquake. I'm in the middle of an earthquake. I'm in the middle of an earthquake. I've got to meet Helen Mirren. There's an earthquake. And he said, I only have a minute. I'm with friends. What an arse. So I was in an earthquake and he what said, I only have a minute. Arse. Hello, so Teddy. lack of prowess in the bedroom really is the least of your worries. It's a selfish tonk. So the first time I meet Helen Mirren is on the most exciting night of her life, the night she wins the Oscar for Best Actress in The Queen. Everyone, from Tom Cruise to Madonna, wants to offer their congratulations. And so I sidle up alongside her at the Vanity Fair party to have my picture taken because the mail kept saying, you've got to get your picture taken with Helen Mirren. So I'm like, OK, copy that, OK. <laughs> Despite the fact I'm not famous and she's never clapped eyes on me, she covers her puzzlement and she beams, Hello, how are you? Now that's a lady, that's class. I said, would you have your picture taken with me? And she said, yes, of course. I would love to have my picture taken with you. And she slipped an arm around my waist. Oh, Class. I love her. She's pure class. I love her. When I arrived for our photo shoot and interview at a low-slung, modernist house high in the hills above Hollywood, she claims to remember me, which is kind. She's standing on an apple crate, having kicked off her six-inch Louboutins in a Dutch satin gown and sheer black top. Her pale hair, 
I've got thin, soft, sort of floppy hair, she said. It's modern and choppy, and her navy eyes are shaded in bronze. She looks amazing. Do I, she says. I never look in the mirror when I'm having my makeup done. I never control how I look. I let people do their thing. And she was the first Hollywood actress wow. doing our interview. She kept leaning on her face and touching her face. And Hollywood actresses never touch their faces because it creases it. Ah, so that's what's happened to me, look. So she didn't mind touching her face. No, I love her. I just, I think she's just amazing. Having won an Academy Award for her portrayal of Elizabeth II, dreads head to toe in tweed, and having given a Golden Globe-nominated TV for performance in Prime Suspect. Have you ever watched Prime Suspect? Yeah. Absolutely fantastic. Fantastic. When See that, looked... I've actually said yes. You've asked me if I watched something and I said yes. Yeah, but you still need to watch Sex and the City. <laughs> but I answered, in, I answered to one thing. It must be galling to her feminist instincts that all the press wants to talk about is the fact that she looks at 63, so this was in 2008, so good in a bikini. One female columnist wrote, properly hot, not hot for her age. She puts her head in her hands and lets out a moan. I only wore that bikini because I was certain I would not get photographed. I had to crawl like this, she did a chimpanzee impression on the lawn, over rocks through brambles to get to that beach. I can't tell you how difficult it was. We, her and her husband, had been staying in Italy at the ruining we were renovating. And although the paparazzi normally follow us, we thought we'd shaken them off. We put our little things out, we were lying there, and then we got in the water and they got me. You look bloody marvellous, I said. I'm beyond the bikini-wearing age, really, she said. I wouldn't normally wear one. The truth is, I don't really look that good. It was just a flattering picture. I looked like a woman in her 60s. I've always looked awful in a bikini, even when I was young. I told her she's being disingenuous. I'm not, she said. I'm not trying to be anything other than what I am. I did read some of the stuff people wrote, she said, and they said, well, Helen Mirren obviously had a trainer and a nutritionist. And I think, I don't smoke, I don't drink too much. I exercise occasionally, but not ferociously. I'm incredibly lazy. I do anything to avoid exercising. And I think an awful lot of women look like me. And I think an awful lot of women look an awful lot better than me. I've never had any work done. My God, did you see Faye Donaway at the ex-Oscars party? Women here in Hollywood don't look young. They look odd. Now, I met Faye Dunaway at another Vanity Fair party. And this is the star of the Towering Inferno. Yeah, yeah. The star of the Thomas Crown Affair. The most beautiful woman. I met Faye Dunaway. Amazing hair. At the, the Vanity flick. Fair party. And I said to her, hello... Donatella Versace. I loved your latest collection. I thought she was Donatella Versace. Oh dear. <laughs> oh dear. Faux pas. So I upset John Travolta, who backed away from me because I kept saying, hey, because I could hear what he said. Terrified Bruce Willis. Terrified Bruce Willis. And I thought Faye Dunaway was Donatella Versace. How did you do that? I've seen pictures of Donatella Versace. No, but she did look quite odd, Faye Dunaway. Why do beautiful women... It's like Charlotte in the new Sex and the City, who was always the most beautiful one, has changed her appearance. Courtney Cox in Friends has changed her appearance. Me. Why do the most lovely women are the most tough on themselves? Do you know what one really upset me? Was the girl in Dirty Dancing. 
And she had a, she nose, had a nose job. job. And she Her was, nose was her USP. But she was beautiful. And when I saw a picture of her and I didn't recognise her, it really upset me because I thought, you were so beautiful. It's just criminal. Well, Helen Mirren experienced a lifetime of being judged on her looks ever since the Sunday newspaper, probably the one I work for, I probably wrote the headline, profiling the Royal Shakespeare Company's newest star, came up with the headline, Stratford's very own sex queen. I did feel strongly, she says, when I was in my 20s, I was marginalised and patronised and insulted and it made me so angry. It wasn't only men who did it, women did it too. It was a byproduct of the way I looked because I'm blonde and I had tits and you can't have that stuff and be intelligent. You have to look like you to be intelligent. I think she was looking at me. Every week, lots of you get in touch telling me what you think about my life and my decisions. So I think it's only fair that you get to have your say here on the podcast too. If you'd like to get in touch, then go to lizjonesgoddess.com or tweet me at lizjonesgoddess. So how are the readers this week, Nick? Yeah, well, we asked for them to give us their worst dates. What so were their worst days? We've had some contenders and we've had we've got a couple of really good ones here. We've got Joe Armstrong who said a first date got irritatingly interrupted by a text from a girl he had friends with benefits arrangement with. I only discovered this after coming back from the loo and seeing him frantically texting and then trying to hide his phone. His confession also came along with tales of the whole saga and him asking my advice on how he should proceed with her. And apparently, I did email her back, and apparently he was a bit confused why she didn't want to see him again. I mean, wow. (laughs) Wow. That's not the worst first date, though, is it? No, that's pretty bad. Come on, I'd be pretty offended. Well, what about when I went to the pub in Tottenham Court Road with the man who picked me up on the street and wanted a date, and I was sitting there in the banquet, and he went up to the bar to get me a drink, and he never came back? I think that's pro. I think I still think she wins. I'm sorry. Texting your friends with benefits while out with you, that's that's just wrong. I w- I would have chucked his dinner over him. We've also got Seraphim, and she says, "I think I have a strong contender for the worst date, and I swear it's all true." I went out with a man who was funny, sarcastic in a good way, nice looking in his own words, spiritual, but he was a bit shy when it comes to f- physical contact. Fourth day, I decided to seduce him. Things were going well. Fantastic, in fact. One of the best sexual experiences of my life. However, seconds after, forgive the graphic word, Nick, as I know it makes you cringe. (laughs) Everyone knows me so well. Orgasm. He looked down at me as I lay basking in the afterglow and said, you've just ruined my personal relationship with Jesus. Oh, dear God. Oh, dear God. Well, (laughs) Seraphine, we think you're the winner. I think she's the winner. Well, that's it from us this week. If you enjoyed listening to Liz Jones's Diary, the podcast, why not visit mailplus.co.uk forward slash subscribe to get access to all our podcasts, videos, opinion pieces and more. I'll be back next Sunday. But for now, I'm Liz Jones. And I'm Nick. Goodbye. Goodbye.